Welcome to the 10th episode of CopCast on Cop Left. Tonight, I'm joined by a stellar cast to discuss Liverpool's recent 1-1 draw with Tottenham Hotspur, uh, a game that left us feeling perhaps it was more two points dropped than one point gained. So joining me tonight is CopCast regular Umara Naz. How are you doing, Umara? I'm good, thank you, yeah. Great, you sound really upbeat there. <laughs> Sorry, did I? <laughs> Sorry, I, I just need to get my sort of uh, pod voice on. Okay, great. Well, nice to have you on anyway. And um, joining us for the first time tonight, we've got uh, two two lads making their debuts. Uh, first of all, we've got Dave Dunning. How are you doing, Dave? Good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, dead on, mate. It's great to have you on. Good talking to you. Thanks very much. And last but not least, we have pod regular Carly, Murray, Carly Murray's brother, Glenn Murray. How are you doing, Glenn? Yeah, good. Thanks. Glad to be here. Great to have you on. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're just basically going to get right into it. The Spurs game, early kickoff Saturday, great first half. Boston, maybe for, some would say, 60 minutes, 65 minutes of the game. They had their moments. We take the lead and we're pegged back 1-1. So we're leaving there. How are we feeling after we leave that game? Uh, Umar, I'll start with you. What were your impressions of the game? Yeah, I think we've all agreed it's one we should have won. As you said, two points dropped. Uh, Spurs seem pretty pleased with themselves. Pochettino and Danny Rose, I think, interview afterwards, they seemed quite happy with the with the draw at the end. And, you know, even though they didn't have Hugo Lloris and we were thinking that maybe, maybe we might have a chance here. And then their, their second backup keeper comes in and pulls off a, an amazing couple of saves that keeps them in the game, really. Um, Coutinho with that shot that he had, and he saved it with his foot somehow. I don't know how he did that. We missed a couple of good chances. Um, they had their own ones. I think Mignolet made a, a couple of great saves as well. Nobody really mentions that. But I think overall we had the edge, which probably is why we think that we should have um, we should have won that game. I think defensively we were much better as well. Lovren and Matip looked quite good together. First time they've played together. So um, And Matip's first Premier League game. I mean, they both made some kind of excellent blocks and tackles, some interceptions. Yeah, and in the midfield as well, Henderson improved. No dodgy videos of him doing the rounds on the internet afterwards. So that was good. And then we had that disallowed goal, which we talked about on the pre-pod. And I personally, I'm not saying this as a Liverpool fan because I've tried to be fair in these things, even when it's the opposition team. But I thought that one should have stood. It was marginal offside, even if it was. I mean, I, when you look at it, both of the guy behind, I don't know who it was. Was it Danny Rose? I'm not sure. Behind um, Adam Lalana looked as though he was pretty much level. But I think Lalana was going at such speed, the linesman had to kind of second guess himself and, and didn't want to make any mistakes. So that's probably why he, he called it. And it was annoying at the end because, you know, that would have been decisive for us. Yeah, and, you know, the referee a bone of contention in that match because he made a couple of silly calls really he was a bit rubbish giving away some soft free kicks and against us and letting our, our ones for them go um and then you had the the Vatongan shoving and pushing on Matip which he didn't give the penalty for but decided to stop play and just have a chat and say do it again and I'll give a penalty which was ridiculous because if it's a penalty it's a penalty but you know in the grand scheme of things I think the draw in the end it was a good result if you when you know when you look back at it a point at White Hart Lane isn't it's, it's no easy thing to do. So regardless of the fact that whether we should have won or not or whether we should have put our chances away and possibly taken the three points, I think in the end when you weigh it all up, and it, was, it wasn't too bad. So, yeah, it was, it was OK. Good good game. It was a really good game as well. So that was nice. Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always good to have a rip-roaring game, uh, especially when you, you're up for it and so early on a Saturday it starts things off well. And, and I think everything about it was was excellent except for perhaps uh, just just getting pegged back there at the end. I think uh, that Danny Rose goal was a revenge for the Flanagan goal a couple of years ago. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, he shanked it in, he admitted himself afterwards in the in the interview that he, he didn't he didn't hit that cleanly and it went in anyways, which was uh, even more annoying. But um yeah, yeah I think that yeah. was that was for the Flanagan goal. <laughs> yeah, he kinda of slices it and comes off the yeah. outside of his foot and goes exactly where the keeper can't get it. It's good. Yeah. yeah. One of those fluky ones, but um, so Umara brings up a, yeah a lot of things going on in the game, and a few decisions mentioned there, and uh, some great saves. I mean, particularly in the first half, I think Vorm was well. I'd say probably their their most important player. The save from Coutinho still boggles my mind. 
and uh, his kind of sweeper-keeper play on Mane a couple of times, saved their asses as well. So um, what, were the, what stood out for you in the game, Dave? What did you make of it? I thought lots of positives to be taken. I think we saw Henderson getting close to back to his best. I think he was a lot more positive in his play, a lot more, a lot more forward passes. You saw from Lallana what you see from Lallana when he's in the game, and you also saw from Lallana what you see from Lallana when he disappears out of the game for you know 10, 15 minutes at a time. I thought he had a good game, actually. I thought great pressing for the, the continual chance early on. I think, you know, he he, he runs 60 yards for the, the offside goal, which, you know, as Amar said, was, in my opinion, also quite harsh. Makes this incredible tackle, this block tackle from behind, round the side, towards the end, um, from shot on the edge of the box. And I think we're potentially seeing from Lalana a similar sort of relationship that, that Benitez had with Coit. He seems to completely buy into what the manager wants to do and, and completely understand what the manager wants him to do. And and the manager seems to trust him. So we'll see how we'll see how that develops. But you know, he certainly works hard and I'm all for a player that that works hard. Coutinho didn't have the best of games, but again it was weird that the momentum seemed to shift to Spurs whenever he left the pitch, and it was similar with Arsenal in the first game where the momentum really seemed to shift that last half an hour. And I don't know whether that was a product of Coutinho coming off the pitch. I don't know whether that was a product of maybe the fact that the team had the midweek game um, that Spurs didn't have. And that's essentially, you know, three games in eight days for the majority of those players. I don't know if, if that had an impact or not. But lots of positives to take. Lovren, great game. Maddock, great game. Um, I don't think that either of them can be blamed for the goal. And to be fair to Milner, I know there's lots of question marks around him as a, a left back, but I thought, aside from the goal where he seemed to get caught underneath the ball, he was good in defence, good at reading the game, good getting forward, didn't seem to land on his right foot. So it doesn't look like we're going to sign a left back, so I think that's going to have to be <laughs> something we're going to get used to. So um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can adapt to that. If Moreno isn't going to get back into the side. But in saying that, I think games at home against lower opposition is where you'll see Moreno um, when he can use that pace going forward. I'm maybe not going to be as tested at the back as we have been against Arsenal and Spurs. So we'll wait and we'll see. Yeah, I think you're probably spot on with that. I think we'll see much more of uh, Moreno at home against the, the, the lesser teams or whatever you want to call them, the cannon fodder. Well, you hope they're cannon fodder, but they tend to mince us. But anyway, so yeah, again, great, lot, lots of positives to take um, from the game. Um, Lalana, you mentioned, yeah, he's, he's, he's a funny one because I think he was somebody a lot of people, including myself, perhaps had earmarked to, to drop out with some of the new signings coming in. But he um, seems to perform. Uh, I, I, he frustrates as well, but I can see why Klopp's going for him. I can see what he adds for him. And, you know, he's nearly through at the end there when Firmino... Well, Firmino needs to give him slightly more to work with and Lalana needs to take a slightly better touch. But, I mean, that's that's really late on and he's still bursting, you know, bursting a gut to get up there and get ahead of him. So, interesting, yeah, Mandip and Lovren look strong. So, come to you then, Glenn. Any any observations on the game? What did you make of it? What are you taking out of it? Well, I mean, to be honest, I actually thought it was our, our best performance of the season whenever you based over the, the 90 minutes. I know obviously there was that that period in the Arsenal game and the, there was 20 minutes after half time where we kind of just blew them out the water. Um, everyone always, I think a lot of people are kind of basing that as our sort of our best performance. But I think, you know, so you've got to look at it over the 90 minutes because um, like I mean, the Arsenal game, obviously we, we battered them that 20 minutes, but then we, we gave them two goals back into it. So I think it's a hard one to, you know, to sort of take your baseline from. I thought, I thought on Sunday, or sorry, on Saturday there, I thought we were buying for the 90 minutes. First 10, 15 was definitely one where we grew into the game. I know Matty had a, a shaky start there. He was sort of came from a throw in and he played, he tried to play offside and then the, the striker sort of sneaked through. And then there was one where Lovren got sort of pushed off the ball quite easily by, by Harry Kane. And it was almost like, you know, an, an older kid on the younger kids playground sort of just yeah. pushing him off the ball, looked far too easy. But after the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, we, we definitely got more comfortable in the game. And, and look, I mean, you've got to expect that going away to, 
going away to Spurs, you know, they're a good team. And, you know, last season, although the, the, the faded at the end, you know, they were really impressive. And I think the fact that they haven't signed a lot of players so far this season shows how, how highly Pochettino rates that team. And they're a very young team, so they're only going to get better. So I think it's one of them ones where before the game, if you'd have said 1-1, you probably would have taken it. After the game, obviously, I think everyone's kind of disappointed that we didn't get all three because we definitely we, we took the game to them and, and uh, we're giving them a bit of a battering at times because we're I think ourselves and Spurs, we're, we're very similar teams in terms of our playing style. Pochettino, um, obviously, he brought that style to, to Southampton and he sort of laid the foundations for, for what they've been doing the last few seasons. And again, with Spurs the last couple of years, he's just taken them on to a, a different level. And I think sort of we're sort of, it's a good gauge of where we are when we play against Spurs. And I, I thought on, on Saturday, you know, for most of the majority of the game, I, I thought we, we completely bossed them. Unfortunately, we didn't take our chances. And, and that's why we're, we're, we're sitting here talking about a, a 1-1 draw. I think I remember uh, on the last pod, uh, a, few of, a few of the guys on were, were, were speaking about Coutinho and perhaps maybe taking him out of the team. And I think he didn't do himself any favours on the, on Saturday with that, that chance he missed at the start. I mean, I was on my feet whenever Firmino played the ball to him because yeah, I thought he's, fine to, he's got the score and I couldn't believe he, he didn't tuck it away. And you can say fair play to the keeper for the save, but any player in that position should really be be hitting the back of the net. No, I mean, yeah, he tries to give him the eyes, doesn't he? And yeah, and he does. He, yeah, I think it's it's one of them ones there where in hindsight he probably wishes he just stuck his foot through it and and went Slotted for a bar. What I sort of picked up on, I, I thought uh, I thought Lallana was brilliant on Saturday. I, I, he's he's one that's come in for a lot of criticism at times, and it's I can understand why because. At the end of the day, he's an attacking player and he doesn't chip in with enough, with enough goals and assists. But the thing I love about Lallana is, is his pressing. He's so good at pressing. He knows when to do it. I mean, I always notice it that whenever in the big games, obviously, he likes to go with Firmino up top because obviously he gets that work rate out of him. But as soon as the first pass beats Firmino, Lallana's all over it like a rash. Yeah. And I think the, the Coutinho chance all came from Lallana getting in on Ericsson. He yeah. won the ball and it went from there. And I remember in pre-season, it was a very similar phase of play. It happened against Barcelona. When we scored our first goal, he was straight in, won the ball, and, and we'll go from there. And I think with Lallana, that, that's why Klopp plays him, because he, yeah. he gives us that. And he, he's a smart player. Obviously, against the likes of the smaller teams, he needs to start to chip in a bit more with the goals and the assists. But I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. And another one, which we touched on there, Milner, I thought he was brilliant as well. Playing out of position, I think uh, going forward, I think there's only one player who should be playing left back, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Miller Miller had a, a somewhat a somewhat heroic game in a way. I mean, there are some some a few typical James Miller moments um, over his career at Liverpool where you sort of he's on the floor and you think shit, he's beaten, and somehow he'll swing a leg and get the tackle in, or you know he's, he's doing some crab like movement on the floor, but somehow he get he gets. Gets a tackle in. I thought he played. He played really well. Uh, I'd be a bit more concerned. At, well, not concerned, but I'd, I'd be a bit more inclined to, to play Moreno at home, as uh, as Dave mentioned. But I think we'll see over the season because Club clearly um, has Milner earmarked there for you know not just not just the odd game. You know, he seems to be the uh, the the left back at the moment anyway. So yeah, it's, some really interesting points. Coutinho, yeah, if he slots that in the in the first five minutes, I think you, you, you see a different Coutinho in the game. Firmino hasn't hasn't really been mentioned too much. I thought I thought he was a contender for for man of the match myself. I mean, him and Matip. I know Lovren got it, and Lovren, by all accounts, you know, had a good game. You you, you can't deny that. Uh, I just sort of want to want to well, I'll come back to you, Glenn, since uh, we've just come off it. Who who would you you have looked at for man of the match? Well, I, I think it it's really hard to pick out one one performer who stood out above above the others. I think one player who we've not mentioned yet deserves a lot of credit. And listen, I, I'm a big critic of the guy, but Mignolet. Mignolet. <laughs> and you know what? The, the reason why is because we're not talking about him. That's why he deserves credit because whenever we do talk about Mignolet, it is quite often because he, he has made a mistake. But give him his credit on, on Saturday. He was solid for us. You know, he, he done the basics. You know, when the ball came into the box, he was there to meet it. 
And whenever he met it, it was a good, strong punch out. Obviously, it's something our goalkeepers are coached, where they're coached not to catch the ball. I don't really like it, um, to be honest, but it's what they're being told to do. And um, Mignolet done that on Saturday. Um, he also pulled off a wonder save from uh, the header from Alderweireld, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Mignolet was really solid and um, that's good going forward. Remains to be seen whether or not he'll stay in the team, obviously, with, with Karius coming back. I think uh, you touched on Firmino there. Again, I mean, his, his work rate, it's first class. I mean, that that's why he's in the team over Sturridge in these big games. I mean, to me, it's no no coincidence that since Klopp's taken charge, we've beaten teams like City away, Chelsea away, Arsenal away. With, obviously, we should have won there on Saturday against Spurs. And in all them performances, Firmino has been the one leading the line because his work rate is just top drawer. And also, he's very creative. I think in the second half, there was one point where he was one-on-one with one of the defenders and he just dropped the shoulder, pulled it back for Wijnaldum and he was unlucky enough to, to get the shot on target. But a lot of a lot of players there. I think if I was going to give it to one, Henderson, I thought he was, I thought he deserves maybe a man of the match because he took a lot of flack after the Burnley game and, and, and rightly so because his passing was, was, wasn't was up to scratch. But I thought... Uh, I thought on Saturday it was he was back to more like himself. He just kept us ticking over. He just got the ball and he kept it moving along, and, and that's something you need, especially your holding midfielder, and just to keep the the tempo of the game moving. I think the only thing with Henderson is just uh, obviously he's not a defensive midfielder, so I think a couple of times he was a bit lacking in the tackle. But I think fair play to him. He, he's come up, came under for a bit of criticism, but he was back to himself on on Saturday. So I, I'll give it to him. Okay, so man of the match for the captain then. Um, yeah, Henry's an interesting one. He, he definitely had a much better game, I think, at, at the weekend there. I think, yeah, as you say, he's not a naturally defensive midfielder. So sometimes I think he's a, he, he uh, what should I say, deserts his post from time to time. And there's you, you get that hole there. And I think actually Pochettino sort of noticed that at one point and tried to get Ericsson in there. He called him over and had a word with him. And then you, you saw Ericsson popping up in that space a couple of times shortly afterwards. But what was interesting for me and interesting that you gave it to Henderson is that our midfield, we, we, as we mentioned, we didn't have a really a defensive midfielder in there. And that was really what everyone was worrying about. The, the pre-match tweets, look at that midfield. We're going to get murdered. Look, you know, we're up against Wanyama and Dyer and, and Lamella and whoever else is in there for Spurs. And, you know, we're going to get murdered. But we won the battle in midfield and we dominated the game, as we say. So obviously the lads in there who've been coming in for criticism did their job well. So it's an interesting pick there with Hendo. Where are you coming from on that, Umara? Who's your, who was your man of the match? Who stood out for you? Um, although the Sky man of the match made me smile just for the meltdown. love. <laughs> 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 I had to double take, actually. I couldn't believe it. I, mean, I, he, he he had a a... I bet you took a picture of the screen. No, I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I had to double take because when they said it, I was like, well, man of the match. Because I know he played well, but I didn't think he was the best. For me, it was Mane. I thought he did the job of several men on the pitch. He was defending at times in the, in our penalty box at really crucial moments. Um, and although he was... he was giving away a lot of fouls and he did get booked and it was a bit scary at times we thought he might get sent off he did get through that 90 minutes and he was an absolute nuisance and I can understand I can't remember who said it now someone called him a poor man Suarez and I can really see it was it okay Okay. yeah I can really see the the kind of similarities there and I, I just thought he was brilliant and he even Danny Rose, as we said, he admitted afterwards that looking after Mane was the hardest ninety minutes he's ever had to do, which he bodes well going forward. So for me, I, I pick him. I thought he was excellent. I just hopefully he can just calm down a bit because I was worried for a while that he would he wouldn't stay on. But um, if he can just sort of temper it, and it, it was it wasn't that he you could see he was just so over eager and anxious, and yeah. it just seemed like he was trying to do everything. And whereas that's sometimes a good thing, sometimes it's not such a good thing. So um, yeah, it, it, you know, like we said, he managed to get through it. He could have easily have been off, but um, he wasn't. So um, you know, hopefully he can just he can control that next time. But he's a, he, he's looking like a really excellent buy now, really yeah. buying into it. Yeah, really good. He was the standard player on the pitch again. I mean, he's a player that uh, really scared the life out of um, out of Spurs and. Only within the setup and the context of the game, and there were others that, that really contributed. I mentioned Firmino, he had a fantastic game. Glenn mentioned, mentioned Jordan Henderson. We said the midfield did, did really well, but Mane really was the, the difference. But that 
the yellow cards are more over exuberance, aren't they? Then they're not Diego Costa esque, really, are they? They're more kind of being overly keen to win the ball back or whatever. But at one stage, I think we all had our hearts in our mouths. So, uh, Dave, how about you? Anyone standard in particular? Someone that's been said already, or did you have your eye on somebody else? I, I think I agree with Glenn. Um, I think it's it's it. There's lots and lots of seven, seven and a half out of ten in the pits, and I think that's a good thing when you've got lots of players playing at a high level rather than two or three people taking the headlines in a, a difficult performance uh, and and relying on match winners. But I think for me, I thought Firmino's so clever. Um, his movement's brilliant. He picks the ball up in great areas. He's always dangerous. He wins the penalty. And, you know, his work rate is is becoming the norm, which I think is why it's starting maybe to go a little bit unnoticed. Um, he works incredibly hard. He wins the ball back in great areas. That's arguably, well, I actually, personally, I wouldn't say arguably, but that's arguably the best centre-half pairing in the Premier League, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. And, you know, I think he gave him Give him a difficult time with his movement and his intelligence, and also not letting him settle and, and play out from the back, which, as you know, um, it's 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 vital to Klopp's system being effective. So, honourable mentions, yeah, for for Milner, Henderson, and I thought Maddock on his debut did really well, but I'd say for me, just Shane, it would be for me, no. Okay, yeah, interesting that um, we alluded to it before, but I think you're spot on. He he. Um... He contributes so much, and I think you made a great point with uh, why it's got his work rate's going a little bit unnoticed. He's almost a victim of, of how much he has put in that people just kind of expect that. Uh, oh, yeah, so he works hard, but what else does he do? And then, then he also has the presence of mind, the chance creation, I think, and the creativity. You mentioned the penalty. There's the Coutinho chance he, he sets up as well. I mean, there are countless other moments. There's the one at the end where he possibly slightly underhits the ball to Lalana. But Lallana doesn't take the best touch either. But he's just involved in everything. And his pressing, while Lallana ends up being the one who can get in on the second press, it's just because Firmino's perhaps gone ahead. And and it all works really well in there with that um, that six and that style. So, I mean, that brings me on to the, the next thing then, um, the lineup. First of all, was there anything you would have you would have done differently, Glenn? And second of all, do you think that's going to be a quite a standardised setup, or do you think we might see something different after the international break, say, for, for the home games even, or, or for against the, the lesser teams? I was happy with, with the starting eleven. I think the only one, really, who you would have played there on Saturday would have been Emre Chan. Um, obviously, with him being a more natural defensive midfielder, but obviously he picked up that knock against Burton during the week, so he wasn't going to be in contention. I thought that the eleven that went out there and started the game, I thought... They were all, like I said before, I thought you couldn't really fault any of them. Coutinho, obviously, he needs to take take them chances. Wijnaldum was a, a bit quiet again. He had a couple of shots outside the box. Say there was one that just went over the bar, and then there was one which was blocked by Alderweireld. Um, and then, obviously, he played through the Lana there for the, for the offside goal. So I'd like, I'd still like to see him involved a bit more in the play, Wijnaldum. Personally, I mean, I wouldn't have any complaints with, with the 11 that went out there. On uh, on Saturday, going into the likes of the the, Le- the Leicester game, n- no disrespect, and obviously that they've just won the league, like, but it's still a kind of team you expect to go out and and beat at home, and you'd expect them to come and, and set up and and play for the draw and um, and try and hit us on the break. So obviously we're going to have to approach things a bit differently in that game. I think that might be the game where you maybe see Sturridge come back into it just to give us a bit more give give the defence something else to worry about up front. I mean. Don't get me wrong, Coutinho, Firmino, and, and Mane. You know, I, I think as a as a front three, they'll pose any defence a lot of problems. But I think if you if you put Sturridge in there as well, and maybe drop Coutinho a bit deeper, and if you have maybe Emery Chan back on the side, you can have him and Henderson is sitting a bit deeper. Then you've got a lot of options going forward. As I say, it'll be, it'll be I think I mean certainly with the back four, I don't think anything's going to change there for the. For the Leicester game, I know you you touched there that you know, obviously Marino could come back into things um, where we're going to dominate teams a lot more. But I've, I've said before that if the game finishes nil nil, you're never going to blame a defender for not winning the game. And unfortunately, Marino he's a liability defensively against like the Leicester and then the and the weaker teams. Yes, you are going to dominate the game, but they're always going to have chances. And and Marino, 
there's always a there's a mistake in him and uh as I say, in, in terms of the back four, I would certainly keep that the same. But uh, maybe going into the, the next game, Sturridge, he could definitely come in and uh, and feature, I think. OK, so you're looking at more of a, maybe more of a 4-2-3-1 kind of yeah. setup there. Yeah, Sturridge up top. Yeah, but I mean, I think like we're, we're a very fluid team. You know, when you watch us, you, you'll always see, I mean, Mane, there was times where he was taking the central position on Saturday and other times he was out wide. The same with Firmino. And I think it would be you know, in the four-two-three-one as well. You know, it would be slightly more structured. You would think with uh, with me Sturridge playing through the middle a lot more than the others. But I mean, like like in the Burnley game, you know, he'll pop out pop out wide at times um, and, and come in on his left. But yeah, I think uh, as I say, going on maybe for the last game, you would see the the four-two-three-one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because we all we're all sort of pondering this the storage issue is it an issue uh, and so on we were talking about pre-pod so uh we'll come on to that note in a wee moment as well so that, that's um i mean i sort of think he has to come back in at some point but yeah we'll see i mean dave do you see the same thing happening do you see us sort of switching a little bit bringing storage back in and, and were you happy with how the team lined up there at the weekend i think that's what everybody expected i think just the question mark over whether chan would be able to, to make it or not but I think other than that, that's what everybody expected. Um, and I can't say that there would be any changes that I would make. The Leicester game, again, I think the next two games, I think we'll see pretty much a variation of, of that, excluding injuries over the next two games. But it'll be interesting to see where we go moving forward because I think there's a lot of versatility in the squad. Um, Coutinho can play, you know, front three, Left of a diamond, right of a diamond as part of the midfield three. Um, Lalana can do the same by all accounts. When Aldam, his best position is number 10, so we'll we'll see where he fits and potentially do have storage to come back. Um, but obviously, it remains to see where he is in the pecking order. And at the minute, it seems though he's probably number three, but again, that'll that'll be determined by what formation the manager decides to pick and, and whether he can fit him in or not or whether he wants to fit him in. So it'll be interesting away games and big games. I think that's pretty much how Klopp will will set up moving forward, but it remains to be seen how things will change throughout the season. But it's, yes, it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly an interesting conversation to have. I think there'll be a lot of different opinions on this. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, I think we're all kind of in that same same boat, kind of waiting to see what's going to happen because there's a big squad there. There's a plethora of options. We've got two strikers in a region storage that have only only been really big part players so far. We've got Emery Chan to come back in. Possible, it's still possible to be the odd new arrival or one new arrival. You never know. So, Umara, how are you with that team first of all, and then do you envisage any changes for Leicester or anything we might see definitely going forward? I think the guys have pretty much covered everything. Um, I think the there was a bit of a debate on who should start a left back, Moreno for maybe his attacking options, but then like you said, we've said it so many times before that we can't rely on him defensively. And it seems like Milner is the way forward at left back now, whether we like it or not. So, you know, that that was the only kind of thing that I think people were talking about. I've mentioned Sturridge. I wanted to see him start, but then, you know, there's all this talk of how Klopp wants to set up in away games and whether Sturridge is more suited to different other games, which I think we'll come on to later anyway. But yeah, no, I had uh, no major issues there. Just obviously injuries. We can't do anything about that. And in, up in attack, we've got quite a lot of options now. It's nice to know that, okay, Sturridge was fit, but if he isn't, it's nice to know that we don't rely on just one or two players now. We have got uh, quite a few options up front. So it's um, a good problem kind of for Klopp to have when he does need to, to t- tweak things for different games. So he he does have a lot of options there. He just has to keep the players happy. That's the, probably his, yeah. his, uh, his, the most difficult thing he has to look at now because not everyone reacts well or, you know, has the same reaction to being dropped for different games. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what he does against Leicester and if he decides to use um, a different attacking kind of system there as well. So... I don't know, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea what he's going to do there. Um, as long as we win the games, couldn't care less. But um, no, I think pretty much it was, all, it was yeah, a good team. Uh, not, no issues or worries for me there. You know, like I said, apart from the injuries to Carrius and Chan and players like that. Other than that, I think he, he did the sort of the, the team that he could put out was the best one he could have. So it was okay. all good. I tend to agree with that. I think um, 
apart from the the enforced absences of of players like Carius and Khan, like you mentioned. Um, but it, it was interesting. I mentioned before a lot of people were giving off about, especially on Twitter, about the midfield before the game, and a lot of people respect Victor Wanyama very highly. And um, there was Eric Dyer was in there as well for Spurs, and obviously. Lamella's in the quartet and Deli Alley. So, I mean, a formidable, formidable midfield Spurs had and, and Liverpool handled it handled it really well. I ha- I do have just a nagging nag- nag- feeling and obviously it'll be put to bed by the time we get to, well, once we've seen the Leicester game and maybe the one, two, two weeks afterwards. But I have a nagging feeling that he's going to set up differently at home. And I think he's going to try and really grind the play really, what's the word, turn the screw, pen teams in, that kind of high-octane possession football, moving the ball very quickly and, and looking for gaps. And and in that way, then, I do see a, a place both for Moreno and, and for Sturridge. And, well, a striker to come back in, I would say, Sturridge. So, I mean, we're on Sturridge. Is there a problem there, Ooms? Or is it just a matter of... Um, of horses for horses. I, I don't know. It's all been said, really, isn't it? I mean, you you guys all know my thoughts. He's one of my favourites, and I, I want to see him play every game. And um, I don't particularly like the witch hunt that I see sometimes on him uh, on social media either. Um, you know, the, just for example, the photo that they that was everywhere. Apparently, him his face when um, Divock already came on. I don't I don't buy any of it personally, but things like that. I don't know where Klopp sees him in his plans. It's all a bit iffy for me. There was an, uh, At the back end of last season, there were games when he was left out and we were all crying for him to be played in. And I did have a little feeling that maybe there was an issue between the two. And I remember you know, being sort of that shut down and saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not the case. That's not the case. But I don't know. And then you, you get Sturridge coming out in the press and saying things. OK, he might just have been answer, answering a question, but... You don't have to answer the question like that. I think maybe he was trying to trying to say how he's feeling, but I just I didn't see the point of bringing him on after 88 minutes. I personally think it's a little bit insulting bring him on at that late stage of the game. There's not really much he can do in that in that time. And I think you know when there are games when we keep saying, "Oh, we lack that clinical finish," and he's the kind of player that we need. And I think that I'm not I'm not a tactician. I have no idea how how teams are set up and formations and all that kind of thing. I'm speaking just as a fan and from the the games that I watch, he is the kind of guy that you need in the box with players like Mane and Lalana and all the other guys doing all the running and all the working. And he he he's the kind of guy that you want putting the ball in the back of the net. So I mean that's just my maybe just a simplistic view of it. Maybe it's not that it's not that easy, but that's that's how I see it. And I know that Klopp wants a lot more from his strikers. You saw it with Mane. I remember you know when we were just um, mentioning that he was in in the penalty in in his own penalty box tackling the Spurs uh, sort of front line, and that's not the kind of thing you see Sturridge doing. So maybe that's why Klopp wants is not playing him. Maybe he wants a lot more from him, and we know that. We've mentioned that maybe Sturridge has an issue with pace as well now, uh, resulting from injuries that he's had. And he's had a lot of injuries. And, uh, you know, that's another thing that we have to, I think we have to be a bit sympathetic toward him for that as well. It's not his fault. He's had bad luck with injuries, whether or not then you want to take it that way, that it's a mentality problem is another issue altogether. But I I think, you know, he needs to need to cut him a bit of slack. And, you know, I just think with him on the pitch, you're always going to have a chance. And if, if you've got if you've got all the other guys doing all the work and you've got one guy who knows how to score goals, why why can't it work that way? I mean, you guys maybe can tell me that I'm wrong here, but um, I, I just I just think he that's the kind of guy you need on the pitch, and I think you know he should play in more games than he he does. There's no doubt he's lethal. He's definitely by head and shoulders the best best finisher of the club. So so yeah, I'm just gonna throw it open. Uh, come to Glenn. What do you what do you think? Is there a problem? Is he going to get some game time? Is it tactical? Is it personal? Uh, is it uh, is it to do with work ethic? What what's your what are your thoughts, Glenn? I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm quite relaxed about the whole story situation. Okay, it's very fair to say that him and Klopp maybe don't see eye to eye, but I, I don't necessarily mean that's. I don't necessarily think sorry that he's going to be sold because of that. I mean, I don't think there's a market there for Sturridge really because if you look in terms of the Premier League, the only teams that could probably afford him would maybe be. Chelsea and Arsenal and they're the only two teams you would you would say are looking for a centre forward at the minute and I don't think we'd be inclined to sell them to them two clubs so when you after that I mean kind of linked with West Ham at one point but 
I don't think he would go to a West Ham in all fairness. Another point that I think about Sturridge, I mean, just talking about from a transfer point of view, like I said, I don't think he's going to go, but what kind of value would you put on him? Because on his day, there's no doubt he's a, a 35, 40 million pound player, but he's just he's not on the pitch enough to say that, I don't think. So I'm very relaxed about it. But I think that the reason why he doesn't play him in, in these games is, like I alluded to before, likes of the Chelsea, the, the City games last season, is he just he doesn't put the work in like Firmino does, and you can watch as much Monday night football as you want and listen to all the pundits and stuff. And to me, it comes to, it's really as simple as that. He's just not prepared to chase down the centre half whenever the ball doesn't seem when the ball's going down the line. Whereas Firmino does want to do that, and that's why Klopp plays him because I mean, there's no doubt that uh, Umara she was right in what she says. He's our best finisher, and he's our best finisher by by a long stretch. You know, you think of that chance Coutinho had. If I'd have fallen to Sturridge, I mean, you'd you'd put your house on him on putting it away from that from that far right. I'm quite relaxed about it. I think the relationship between Sturridge and the fans it reminds me a lot of uh, the relationship Owen had with the fans. I think a lot of the fans see Sturridge that he's using Liverpool to better himself. You know, because he's not a local boy. Um, he's come from other teams. See it very much. Obviously, Owen, I know he came through the system, but whenever you heard Owen speaking in interviews, he was always very much all for England. You know, whereas like Robbie Fowler, he was all for Liverpool, and that, that was why there was a completely different relationship between the two of them. And I think Sturridge, as I say, I get a, the impression it's very much the same as like Owen with him. We all know he's a great player, but we just don't have any sort of real you know affinity with him. But yeah, I mean, it's the same. I mean, I'm relaxed about it. I mean, he's not going to get sold. If he has to sit on the bench, then you'll have to deal with that. The thing with Sturridge is, he is he's very strong-minded. If, if you look through his career, obviously he came through the ranks at City. He went to Chelsea at a very young age. And at Chelsea, obviously he left there because he wasn't getting played where he wanted to, through the middle. That's why he left Chelsea and came to us. And he did. He played through the middle for us for the, for the end of the, Roger's first season. And then obviously Roger's second season, him and Suarez sort of, then the two of them obviously share duties up front together. Sturridge, I'm not worried about it. He'll be there come come Thursday. I would be shocked if he wasn't. And listen, Sturridge, we'll get plenty of game time this season. If you were to ask me, is he going to start at the likes of the Etihad, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge? I wouldn't think so. Going on what we've seen so far. Okay, no, very interesting. I would, I would tend to agree with that. Certainly. Um... Certainly your last point about will we see him in those big games away. And um, I don't think we will. I think you're spot on. There's no, reason, you... there's no reason to. I mean, Firmino, he's proved that he does the business in the games. I mean, like, unless there's unless there's an injury or something. I mean, you, you couldn't really argue with it. You know, if, uh, if he did decide to go with Firmino and Coutinho and Manny and that three again, you know, like I say, they've done the business. And, you know, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have any problems with, with them three starting again, especially, obviously, we've got uh, Chelsea coming up here in a couple of weeks. So I'd certainly be going with Firmino again if it was up to me. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's what the manager will do. I mean, as you, you alluded to earlier, or maybe it was even pre-point, you know, it's re- it's got results. It's got results last season and it's got results this season. We have a great record away at the big clubs playing that front three. As I said, Manny's, Manny's come in. For Lallana this season, I think Lallana's dropped back into the midfield three, but they've been the platform for the success away from home. So, I mean, that sort of was bringing me on the, on the Dave. Is is that enough, David, for Sturridge? We know the kind of guy he is. We're talking about him trying to better himself. How long is he going to be happy only starting the games against the lesser teams? I honestly think that if the situation continues the way it is, the relationship between the player and the manager is is only going to deteriorate. So, and, and we've seen with we've seen with Klopp, Klopp with the with the cycle situation that that can happen relatively quickly. So, I'm very unsure about how this is going to play out for the player. Um, I think the reality is, and I never thought I, would, I wouldn't have thought I've been saying this twelve months ago, but I think the reality is we're a better side when he isn't on the pitch. We're a better side when we have the front three that we that we had on on Saturday, and he may play against the lower sides 
Um, he may not play against the lower sides. It might be a Rigi play, plays against the lower sides. You know, if you're talking about playing against West Brom at home when they're going to have seven centre-halves and three defensive midfielders in the pitch, then you, you might be looking for a Rigi's heightened strength in there. Yeah, um, So, you know, it, it's a really difficult one. Uh, and he's already come out and said that he, he's not really prepared to, to adapt and to play maybe the right or left-hand side of a front three. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but at this moment in time, I don't really know where he fits in to the squad, never mind the team. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a really interesting point because, as we've all mentioned, he's he's got some serious, serious quality and he is one of our best players. But we, on the evidence of, of this season, certainly, we have looked... A better player when when he hasn't been on the or better player a better team when he hasn't actually been on the pitch and he's 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 like a virtuoso in a in a machine almost at the minute it's a little bit yeah it is it's it's getting more and more difficult to see how this this gets rectified where are we going That's with this well, if, if you mentioned this season there Andy, but I think you know if you look at the standout performances from last year the Chelsea away the City away um you know he's not involved in those sides either so. Again, I, I think this is an ongoing issue and it has been ongoing. And I think we're maybe starting to see it come to its resolution. Mm-hmm. He will he will get his opportunity at some point. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And whenever he gets his opportunity, he's got to take it. Fair play to him. He, he came on, on on Tuesday night there and scored two goals against Burton. I know, obviously, a different calibre of opponent. Uh, you know, no disrespect to Burton. But, uh, you know, he came on, he, he took two goals away. Um, and that's what he's going to have to do now. I thought on Saturday, in hindsight, Arigi, he he was he was poor when he came on, on on Saturday. I could be very, I could be overly critical here, but I noticed a couple of times um, Arigi, he was we were we were under a bit of pressure, and we were clearing the ball, and he was offside when we were clearing the ball yeah. from the back, and it just the time, it, you know, yeah. and the ball was then just coming straight back to us, and it was funny in the in the lead up to the goal because. I watched it back and it actually came. We tried to clear out long and Arigi, again, he was offside and it then came from there and, and the play came forward and then they eventually scored. But obviously, like I say, that's hindsight. And I mean, the reason why Arigi came on on Saturday was because it was at the point of the game where Spurs had just gotten a bit ahead of steam and he needed someone on there to, to keep pressing the defenders. And, and Sturridge, that, uh, you know, it's, that's not his game. And you could argue, you know, Argue the the stories, you know, if you're not willing to change change your game and put in a bit more effort, then there's not a lot we can we can do for you. As I say, I mean, I am relaxed about it. Uh, if he doesn't play, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to sell him. You know, he's got a contract there, so if he if he's unhappy with not getting enough game time, or if he's not un, if he's unhappy with having to play out out wide in the right, then I'm not overly bothered about it. And then I don't think Klopp, if it, if it ever was to get to the stage where it was becoming a problem with Sturridge. Uh, I don't think Klopp would have any hesitation in sorting it out because obviously we've seen we've seen that happen with with Sacco here in the summer. But uh, like I say, I mean Sturridge, he'll get chances. There's no doubt about that. Through rotation in the team, injuries will come into play. There's no doubt he will be in the team. But I just think the only question he says is that is when everyone's fit and well, does he start in them big games and? You know, you have to say right now the the answer's the answer's going to be no. Yeah, I mean, again, in agreement, he will get the chances he has to take them. Umara, have you got anything to uh, to add on on the Daniel Sturridge situation, the the saga, shall we say, at this point? I don't know. I mean, with the effort thing, I I think sometimes he gets unfairly criticised for not making an effort when he does make an effort. I mean, I don't know the stats, and and there are a lot of stats out there at the moment. Um, maybe it's something I'll look into and maybe put out on Twitter or something later on. But I think he, you know, he he does get a bad rap for that. And okay, if he doesn't press as much, does that mean there's no place for him in that in the team? I still think with him on the pitch, we have a better chance of of winning games. That that's my opinion. I think you know we often, like I've said, I mentioned before, we often have that issue where we don't we can't finish. You know, we create we 
create, we create, but we can't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and I'm not saying that if he's on the pitch all the time that he's going to score everything that comes in his path. But, you know, like you said, if if, if um, he was on the on the end of that ball that Coutinho had, you're going to you're gonna bet he's going to put it in the back of the net. It's just that instinct. It's that natural instinct he has. And I think, I'm not saying that the, the team should all change for him, but I think that sometimes that, you know, you do need to play to a player's strength as well. I mean, uh, but I, I'm getting this impression now that Klopp's pretty ruthless and wants everyone to, to kind of... T- play his way but then I'm just worried like with the Sacco thing and if Sturridge does end up maybe not leaving this transfer window but you know leaving in the future we can't replace these guys anymore like we you know we're not capable of spending or we're not capable or we don't want to we this is another issue that keeps going on and on we just don't know that why we're not spending the money to replace these guys we're not in the transfer market we can't compete with City Chelsea and all the other big names and we're not going to get players better than those two to replace them so you know, I think that it's in our best interest to keep these guys in the team if we can. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The thing with Sturridge is, with him on the pitch, I totally agree with you. He, he gives you a, a better chance of, of putting one in the back of the net. But from the other point of view, and I say it, it's maybe being overcritical, but the work from the front, you know, and Klopp, he, he said it after the match on the, on Saturday, he, he coined the phrase offensive defending. You know, not, not obviously he's meaning that, you know, that, that pressing from the front. And as I say, I think in them big games, that's why he does tend to go with, with Firmino. There's no doubt about it. Daniel Sturridge, if he came on the market, especially in this window, coming up to the end here, if, if Arsenal or Chelsea had a sniff that that was a possibility, there's no doubt that they would be they'd be all over that. But, I mean, we'd be daft to sell them to, to either of them clubs. And as I say, I mean, the thing is, not many English players go abroad these days. So who who would he go to? You know, I, I, that's the thing. That's why I, I'm I'm quite relaxed about it. I, I just don't see a, a market there for Sturridge right now because I don't see us selling the another Premier League team. And like I say, not many English players tend to go abroad. I mean, Joe Hart's on his way to Italy here, but when was the last time you seen an English player you know go to Spain, Germany, or Italy? It doesn't happen very much, and. Uh, as I say, I, I'm quite relaxed about about the storage the storage situation. I, I think it's a good problem to have. Whenever he does come into the team, if he does take his chance, you know, when he scores a few goals, then it's only going to be good for Liverpool. You, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good to have those headaches. Good to have those problems. Good to have real strength on your bench, particularly in the in the um, attacking positions in the centre forward position. And it's interesting. I have a. A sneaky suspicion that both Sturridge and Sacco are sort of big figures at the club in their own in their own right. Sacco's a cult hero and and uh, and a fan favorite, and Daniel Sturridge is very much the sort of the journalist's favorite because, as was mentioned earlier, and there's still that suspicion with with Sturridge is he is he more England than Liverpool? Has he always been more more himself than than any of the clubs that he's been at? And of course, he's the number one question for all the all the English journalists. Are you happy to have Daniel Sturridge back? When will Daniel Sturridge be back in the team? Why is Daniel Sturridge not in the team? And I have a little bit of a fancy that Klopp is sort of laying a marker down to both of them, you know, in his own way, kind of saying, look, I'm prepared to go this far to get you to, to basically play to the potential that you can and also to, to, to do things my way. And we can win without you and we are winning without you and we will win without you if we have to. I mean, that would be my personal take on it. And it's, it's my hope as well, because I wouldn't, wouldn't really want to lose either player. OK, so, Dave, any any final thoughts on, on Durridge? Oh. I think the only thing that we haven't mentioned is, I, I think there's still a question mark hangs over Daniel Sturridge's fitness um, and his availability throughout a season. And I think the reality is that he hasn't shown any level of consistent fitness in two years. I think it's... Less than 30 games he's played in the league over the last, well, two and a little tiny bit of seasons. So, you know, yeah, he's fit now, but who's to say that, that next week something doesn't happen in, in training with the national Especially team? He's going, yeah, he's going on England, Judy. <laughs> yeah, as it, as it tends to happen. And I think, you know, as Liverpool fans, we've got used to crossing our fingers um, every time Daniel Sturridge goes away with... With England for international duty, be it a friendly, be it a, a qualifier, be it a, a tournament. So, again, it, it's something that remains to be seen. But I think Glenn's right. I don't think there's much of a market 
form at the moment. And I think if clubs were to spend the amount of money that it would cost to buy Daniel Sturge, you know, they'll do their, their due diligence and they'll look at the analysis. And I think they'll look at the number of games that he's played over the last two, three years. And I don't think it would make good business sense. And again, that's, that's just the way um, transfers are done these days with, with the bigger clubs. It is it is a business it's assessment. Yeah, so you know, if I think they were to do their due diligence on the player, if Daniel Sturridge was a if Daniel Sturridge was a, a conglomerate or a a company, I don't think that many people would invest their stock in him based on that alone, regardless of how well he can perform when he is on the pitch. Yeah. I think yeah. I think he's been fit for seven months now, barring the Arsenal game that he missed, which was a slight knock or something, a niggly injury. But other than that, that's quite a long time for him. That's like a yeah, definitely forever the longest for him. In, in a yeah, long so time. And I think, you know, over those seven months he has been been wrapped in cotton wool to a certain degree by Klopp. And I think, you know, Klopp said at some time last season that he wanted to see was it eight or ten or twelve consecutive training sessions. Yeah. From Sturridge before he was he was going to be able to make the team and you know he has been dropped and he has been on the bench and he has been used sparingly so if you were to rely on him and you were to to build a team around a player so to speak you know I You'd don't be doing know a Brandon yeah exactly I I don't know how he would cope with that level of demand on his body and and those number of minutes on the pitch week in week out. Because as we've seen before, um, you know, he does tend to break down and it doesn't seem to be any one specific injury. It's all manner of different things. Muscle injuries, leg, heel, ankle, hip. It's a strange, strange situation. But but as you say, maybe he is at the level of fitness now where, where he, he can sustain it. And, you know, if he can and he makes his way back into the team and he can he can adapt, then, you know, Liverpool will be a better, a better, a better side for it. I just don't think we're sure at the moment whether he's being dropped because of the fitness or because of the tactics or whether or whether or not it's just teasing Klopp's plans or not. That's why if we, if we knew it was the fitness issue, then yeah, I can understand that. Then he's not going to play every game. That's fine. But we're not sure at the moment, are we, if, if that's the case? I mean, I'd be pretty worried if he couldn't play every game in a season where we don't have any European football because, like I yeah, say... I'd, I'd imagine we, he could play every week. Yeah, not twice a week. I mean, then he's going. He may as well call him Ledley King. Then he's got to be able to play, you know, twice in seven days. For me, I mean, if you're if you're saying about if we're, if we were going to build our team around him, you know, let's say hypothetically we were, and um, we couldn't rely on him to be there available, you know, Saturday to Saturday or Saturday to Sunday, Sunday to Saturday, whatever it is, then you know you can't build a team around someone who you can't rely on to be available week in week out. I touched on it before. I think it's really interesting, like. Say, say, you know, if there if there was a market there for Sturridge, I mean, what would he what would he go for? Because, like I say, because his fitness record, it just skews everything skews everything up. Because, like I say, on his day, he's up there, you know, with the with the best in the league, but he's just not on the pitch enough for me to you know to sort of warrant that kind of money. That's why, like, that's why, like I say, I, I I don't see him going anytime soon. But it would just be interesting, you know, if a if an offer was put in, whether it be 20, 25, 30, 35, I wonder if there would be a point where, you know, Klopp might say, well, I think we're getting value for money here, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, because on his day, he would be in the in the 50 to 60 million bracket in, in today's football climate, certainly. Yeah, true, true. So, be interesting to see. Well, hopefully, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I give my two pence worth as well, and we all have our, our views on him. I think we're all really hoping that he's uh, and believe that he will still be with us in a couple of days and uh, it'll just be something that that we comment on through the season and see how it pans out so to kind of conclude our our part today we're just going to talk about yeah how we feel after the first three games so international break coming up it's it's a decent point to, to have a look back and take stock so what, what do you make of it how we're done we're on what four points from three games if you'd said before We'd pick up three points away at the Emirates and we'd draw away at Spurs. You'd probably expect us to be on seven points. We are, however, only on the four. So how have the first three games gone, uh, Dave? Um, I, th- I think if, if you allocate those points to different games, I think maybe you know we're, we're, we're thinking a little bit more optimistically. The Emirates never was a happy hunting ground for us. You know, If you have a narrow defeat there, you draw away to Spurs and you beat Burnley, 
you may be thinking in a completely different way. And if somebody had told me we were getting four points at this stage of the season, that's probably what I would have said would have happened. But points are points. It's three away games. I think Burnley, as an unknown quantity away from home, I think are, are more difficult proposition than than people think they are. I think you know Borough have already proved that at the start of the season as well as Hull. So I think I'm happy enough. I'm happy enough based on the attacking football I saw at Arsenal and the 60-65 minutes I saw on on Saturday, where we were really really good, excellent for the most part. And there's a lot of players still adapting, you know, not just adapting to the club, but also adapting to the new positions. The Lannis trying to learn a new position. Wijnaldum, we haven't really seen him play there for Newcastle. From what I hear, when he played in Holland, it was it was the same. He was he was farther up the pitch. Um, Henderson's trying to adapt. Milner's really trying really hard to adapt. So I think there's there's positives. I think the other thing to to say is we we haven't had the same back four in three games. And we've had a different back four every game. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if when the goalkeeper comes back in and see, to be fair, Mignolet hasn't done anything wrong. I actually think he's been quite good. I think if you see Klein, Lovren, Maddup, and what looks like it's going to be Milner, if you think if you see that for, for five, six, seven games in a row and you can get that for five, six, seven, maybe, you know, 10, 12 games in a row, hopefully we'll see a bit more consistency at the back um, rather than errors causing goals. So I think there's definitely improvement from first game to third game with the blot on the copybook in the middle. Just disappointed the international break comes when it does. But next few games are going to be really interesting. Home to Leicester, who found form after a difficult start. And I think Chelsea will be a real test. They were my tip for the title. I think they've already looked to hit the ground running. They all seem to have bought into to what Conte is trying to do, and, and Hazard looks absolutely back to his best, as so does Costa. So that Chelsea game will probably be, I think, a really good measure of where we've come. And then obviously the question mark's still there around how do we do against Watford away, Middlesbrough away, West Brom at home. So yeah. um, it's it's going to be interesting. But I think there's there's lots and lots of positives, and I'll, I'm going to try and remain optimistic. So um, lots and lots of positives there. Excellent, yeah. Well, there certainly are. There certainly are, and you know, players still to come back in, and em- I think Emery Chan's going to make such a huge difference, and that's one good reason for the international break coming when it does. Is by the time the Leicester game comes back around, he should be 100% fit and back in the side. I'll come to you, Glenn. Four, four points, three games. You've seen how they've gone. You've watched them all. Where are we? How, how do we feel about this? I think, uh, I think performance-wise, I'm, I'm very optimistic. You know, given them what I've seen at, at Arsenal and at the weekend there um, against against Spurs. Obviously, like the Burnley game. I mean, if you were to mark a scorecard, I mean, you'd put that down as a double bogey, wouldn't you? Or maybe even a triple bogey, because uh, <laughs> I mean, it really was. It was that bad. But listen, I mean. Every team's going to have have one of them days, you know, somewhere along the way. I mean, it's a long season. I think the thing is, is inconsistency remains within the game, within our game. Sorry, obviously we picked up the three points at Arsenal, but we made made hard work for ourselves. Obviously, the Burnley game was was very poor, and then at the weekend there, we looked back there best at, at times against Spurs again, just. We need a bit more ruthlessness, ruthlessness and attack to, to see out the game. And you know, if we had got the, the second goal, I think you know would have been would have been home and dry. But uh, I, I think uh, the Leicester game's a massive game now going into that because you know you've got Chelsea coming. So if you pick up three points, you know, in that Leicester game, you know going into the Chelsea game that you know if you beat them, you're right up with them again. Whereas if you don't get the three points against Leicester and you fall further behind. Then you kind of get in the feeling of you know here we go again, and you don't want that so early in the season. So I think the Leicester game is massive. It's obviously you know with the international break coming now, obviously a lot of the teams are summarising where they've how they've started you know after the first three games, and I think obviously it's it's far too early to, to tell. I mean obviously the the way the media is so overhyped, everyone's going on about City, United, and Chelsea, but I mean. Uh, what I what I done was I I went through each team's fixtures. City have played Sunderland, Stoke, West Ham, 
United have played Bournemouth, Southampton, Hull, and Chelsea have played West Ham, Watford, and Burnley. Now, you can't tell me that you wouldn't expect each of them teams to pick up th- uh, nine points from them three games. Yeah, but yeah, all, all but teams yeah. that you'd expect to be in the bottom half at the end of the season, huh? I, don't, I mean, I, I'd be more surprised if they didn't pick up nine points against them three teams. So, as I say, I mean, it, it's early days yet, so I'm relatively optimistic. I think uh, Dave made a point there, which which is good, is our problem this season is, is not going to come against the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, because obviously under club we can see that he can manage them games, but our biggest tests are going to come against teams like West Brom, Hull, Crystal Palace, Watford, Sunderland, and so on. Against them teams, it's a lot harder to, to play that high-pressing game because they're going to want to play longer out of the back, so you, you can't really get that press whenever the defenders you know, playing it straight up the pitch. And the other thing as well you got to take into account against the likes of them teams is the strikers that you're going to be facing, we don't do well against. The likes of your Rondons, Ben Teke, who we all know is bound to score a hat-trick against us. <laughs> Joey Dini. You know, last few years, we, we just haven't been able to get a grip against teams who, who have that kind of kind of striker. And I think it's it's against them teams that really it's going to determine where we finish this season, you, you know. And uh, I think that's been a problem we've had for, you know, many a year. And I think the one exception being the, the year we finished second, where we did just send but they just tend to blow teams away at Anfield. But apart from that, they they seem to be the teams that we always we always struggle against. And un, until we can sort of rectify that, you know, we're gonna be where we are, or where we have been recently. You know, round fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Um, so they're the they're the they're the games where we really need to 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 pick up pick up uh, the season. And if we can do that, then there's no reason why we we can't have a good season. But I think from the first three games and. I would say I'm quietly op- optimistic. I think four points from the three. I think, like Dave says, you know, if you'd have, if you'd have lost it at Arsenal, you you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have worried too much. It, obviously, you would have expected they beaten Burnley, and if you had picked up a draw against Spurs, you know, you would have said, you know, you, that's a that's a good result. So, um, bit of a mixed bag, but as I say, I think I've seen enough in the three games, well, or well, more so in the Arsenal and Spurs game, to to think that we can have a good season. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, um, there are a lot of very, yeah, very well-made points in there, particularly of the, the, the lesser teams. The, well, the, the, the teams that play that style of football that, that we have struggled against to the teams that we find difficult to break down. And I'm just hoping that, you know, you mentioned the 13-14 season where we blow teams away at Anfield. And, and that, I mean, that comes from the early goals we score, really, in those games. And if we can... If we can put our chances away, we consistently make chances in those games early on, then don't take them, and then end up getting sucked into this fucking drudgery and drudgery where we end up inevitably going behind and then struggling to even even get a draw out of the game. And we're hoping then, if there's if they're playing over the top, playing long, we're hoping that that's where Carius will really come into his own. Um, we've got to keep it with a starting position, somewhere like, like Vore, somewhere like Neuer, or or uh, even Hugo Lloris. I think that that'll, that will... That helps out Tottenham so much there, and it helps out Bayern so much. It helps out any team that's really playing that high press. So hopefully, Carriers can make make a difference there. So, Umara, final thoughts then on the pod from you, really about um, about how we've done these first three games, and and how that makes you feel about uh, the, the upcoming campaign or the the ongoing campaign. Yeah, there's not much more to add, really. I think Dave and Glenn have pretty much covered it. We had a couple of really tricky away games obviously due to the stadium still being finished can't seem to get over that Burnley defeat really it was their first home game as well so I think they were really lifted by their crowd so hopefully it was possible that it might just be a blip (laughs) we'll have to wait and see I'm hoping it is um, they've done the same the United a few years ago I remember yeah so you know it's possible that 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 was just them you know playing above you know, above them, yeah, and themselves. Yeah. Exactly, and we we were pretty shit. So <laughs> we did help them, um, but yeah, it's um, Arsenal again. The guys have said we should probably, maybe shouldn't have won that game, but we did anyway in the end. And then Spurs draw it, uh, to draw against Spurs was, and they're a good team, so that was that was a bad result either. So we should have seven points if you if you you should have beaten Burnley really, but you know the script never goes to plan, does it? But um, all in all, it's it's not a bad start, I think. Yeah, everything's it's all good at the moment. Um, and then the, the games to come, like you said, if we can just solve the problem of 
the the beating these lower teams and breaking down their defenses when they've got eight nine men in the box, um, and trying to play football in sort of in between the tightly packed defenses that they've got, we we can get more results, better results. And I know Glenn, you mentioned the 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 uh, sort of the cities and the Chelsea's have played the lower teams at the moment, but they're the kind of teams that you do want to that we need to beat as well. Yeah. they're the ones that are dragging us down at the moment. I remember the, the title running we had in 2013-14 is where Chelsea fell short when they lost to Crystal Palace and Sunderland and teams like that. So it's, they're, they're the really important games. And although, yeah, they should be winning them, all in all, if you look they at are. the bigger picture, they're the really important games. You can lose to Arsenal, you can lose to United and you can lose to Chelsea and still win the league. But if you're going to lose to Palace and Sunderland and West Brom, then you're not going to do anything. So... Although the comparison is nice, I think it's really important that we need to, to really fix this problem because if we don't fix it, it's going to be a long, long season. I think the Leicester game, if we go out there and we get a you know a two three nil win, it'll really set a marker down for the home game. Yeah. You know, especially yeah, with especially the new stand, and everything, <laughs> yeah. the atmosphere. Exactly, I was just going to say that. Yeah, especially with the new stand and all the sort of the, the sort of frenzy around it, it would be brilliant if we could go out there and win that game. But you know, Leicester are champions, and Ranieri's not a bad manager. But you know, we have to go in there and positive frame of mind and and we have to really be a team that plays well at home now we need to get that back as well we've been missing that for a long time now yeah just for a change then the next game's massive <laughs> <laughs> isn't it always <laughs> yeah absolutely well on that note we shall wrap up for this episode so that just leaves me to ask our contributors to tell you the listener where you can find them on twitter or where you can follow what they're doing so umara Anything to plug and where can you be found? I'm just going to plug Cop Left and Copcast. Listen to us. You know, we're a new sort of uh, site with the new podcast. We've got love, great new um, guys joining us. And I think, you know, give us a, a listen. Uh, go back and listen to some of the earlier pods as well with some of the other different guys we have. And yeah, that's it really. Give these two guys a follow, Glenn and Dave, new guys. Absolutely. And where can you be found on the on the old Twitter me okay uh, underscore U M A R A if you really want to follow me. <laughs> yeah, don't be coy. <laughs> okay, I'm such a great follow, Neil. I? <laughs> Listen, cupcakes and super <laughs> blenders, bullet blenders and stuff. I mean, that's great. true. Yeah, a great follow. I'm not one-dimensional, <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, um, and Glenn, uh, where can people find you? Glenn Murray, ninety-one. That's my Twitter handle, yeah. I just want to say thanks very much for having me on. Really enjoyed it, and I'm sure uh, we'll maybe we'll maybe get me and my sister on a on a chat sometime. That'll be a bit of fun. Oh yeah, a Murray family ding dong. <laughs> oh, me and her definitely differ on some of it, and on some <laughs> topics. I'll tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, watch this space. Then I'm sure we'll have to do that. And uh, last but not least, Dave, where can people find you? Dave Donning eighty one. Show me age there. I recommend that you probably do not follow, but at your own risk. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Thoroughly enjoyable. Not at all. Well, you've both been great, and it's great to have you in, in Cop Left and Copcast. We're sort of growing gradually, but uh, we have this sort of family ethos, so it's quite nice. So, yeah, I'll just uh, big up Copcast, Cop Left, and you can also catch me on the Anfield Index Writers Pod. Uh, I've been your host, Neil Patterson. That's at Neil. 1980 on Twitter and we've been Copcast.